here we are again, in a wonderful place of magic, imagination, and wonder. Which means if you're hearing the sound of my voice, then you've just tuned into episode number 42 of the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. We're going to take a look at the top five books from DC Comics this week, just like every week, and together explore why I believe they are the best choices, not only for a myriad of reasons, but mostly for a perspective that I'm bringing each and every week to each and every issue and sharing with you because together, in the end, we're comic book fans. Let's go ahead and start with my first choice. Year of the Villain, Hell Arisen. In this amazing story by James Tynan IV, we have beautiful art from Steve Epting and Javier Fernandez, Nick Filardi providing gorgeous colors, Travis Lanham with the letters, very appropriate for the Year of the Villain Hell Arisen storyline and providing their own signature in this second issue. You'll see it for yourself when you get a chance to read it. Steve Epting with the original cover and Riccardo Federici with the variant cover. At the end of last issue, Lex Luthor discovered that there were the infected something that if you've been reading Batman and Superman, you've become aware of, as well as in a few other titles when the character has been afflicted by this new infection. And there have been one or two standalone one-shots featuring these characters and their transformation. Up until now, Lex Luthor has been unaware and he now faces off against the combined might of the small army that Batman Who Laughs has gathered to confront his foe. The challenge here is that in almost all situations, you can tell a villain by how they exploit an opponent's weaknesses. Sometimes it's outright an attack, an assault. Other times, it's a manipulation, a way of applying pressure to guide momentum, decision-making, and create direction. Lex Luthor is a master of manipulation. While he desires to be recognized for his physical prowess, it's actually his mental acuity that has always given him the upper edge and why he has always been such a formidable foe for those like Superman. In this event, what we see is how Lex is able to take on the assembled host of infected and exploit their weaknesses and begin sowing seeds of doubt guarding the Batman who laughs in the process. This will be something that we get a chance to see as we talk about other issues. However, what I really enjoyed here 
is how in the telling of this scene, the descriptions and the dialogue, it's pointed out that Lex relies on many old tropes, something that Supergirl is able to perceive very clearly. And because of that, the lens can focus on these ideas. And when it does, you can start to see how this is an issue, not only for Lex Luthor, but also for the Batman who laughs, who in this way is acting a bit more like a Joker than a Batman. Curious to see whether or not there's a overlay of one personality on top of the other in specific moments or actions or scenarios. And Lex Luthor is able to overcome the combined might of the Batman who laughs infected. And he then goes on a journey to discover how many others might be infected. It leads him to more questions, more answers, and a discovery that the Batman who laughs has been at work for quite some time and is very efficient. And what we also discover is that this is going to cause Joker to reach out to an unlikely ally. And now that we've seen both of these villains make a play, fail, and do so by as it's pointed out by Supergirl, by falling into the trap of repetition and almost like an old Bond villain, allowing the opponent to live. The consequences of both of those actions are now going to come to a head in this next chapter, which I'm curious about for chapter three, because there's only four of these left, and how it is that we will see this story unfold and at what point which character will overcome their trappings, failings, or bad habits, and in doing so, gain the upper hand? Or will this be a war of attrition, and will there be no victory? I'm intrigued to see how it plays out, and to be honest with you, when I picked up You're the Villain number 2, I didn't expect to choose it for the DC Comics new Spinner Act this week, but by the time I was done, I was convinced. Do me a favor and take a read for yourself if you get the chance. And if you have a similar opinion or disagree, listen to the very end for all the ways that you can let me know your thoughts and, if you'd like, share them with the world at large. My score for Year of the Villain, Hellerism number two, is a very confident five out of five. This is a book that surprised me. And my favorite feeling at the end of reading a comic book is the knowledge that I've been surprised and that I need to always be aware of how my expectations or assumptions can be changed by the talent of a great writing and art team. Let's go ahead and take a look at my second choice. Now, following in this vein of 
the Batman who laughs, and the infected. I move with my second choice into Batman and Superman, number six. And in this story by Joshua Williamson, with art by David Marquez, gorgeous art, by the way, beautiful colors by Alejandro Sanchez, very striking letters by John J. Hill, and a very impressive cover by Marquez and Sanchez, as well as a equally striking cover by Simone Bianchi. But the story inside is one that really catches my interest. Because as I mentioned, when it comes to villains, it's about how they strike, how they exploit weaknesses, and what they do with it. But also, what really strikes me is how the reverberations are not only part and parcel with the manipulation, um, perhaps I'm getting all tangled up in my own words, but the impact of or consequences can be immediate and also continue on long after. Batman and Superman have been keeping secrets, and at the beginning of this issue, it's the haunting question posed by Jim Gordon, still under the effects of the infection. Batman and Superman agree to keep quiet about Donna, Supergirl, and the others who had been poisoned by the Batman who laughs. And now the rest of the hero community is talking, first about how much they don't even know now about the infected, but also about how, once again, others are keeping secrets. Batman and Superman felt that they had a reason why they shouldn't share the information they had, why they should keep it close, and while they believed in all of the best reasons for doing that, that's not how it's being perceived. And now we can see that the Batman who laughs has already created a new adversary for Batman and Superman as they continue their hunt to bring the infection to a close and to stop the Batman who laughs. In their minds, of course, probably once and for all, but without any final ending to him. Is once and for all ever really going to happen? Now, as I mentioned, the story, as it continues, focuses on these reverberations. And what's intriguing is how they lead to a discovery of a new, perhaps unimaginable, but if you've got a great creative mind, you probably saw this coming. I do not. And that's why I have to admit that the reveal on the final page of two ancient, very powerful figures who could be at war with each other, as the tagline on that final page suggests, or could perhaps be something else. But it's clear that it's in response to 
the events that have taken place recently and that their engagement in the story will be a new factor as well as an additional adversary for these two titans of DC Comics to face. How many more can they continue to meet against and hope to succeed? Well, the thing that I noticed about Batman and Superman in every occasion, in every story, is that they believe they can keep fighting until the next fight. And we'll just have to see if that's enough. I liked Batman and Superman for exposing these dangerous cracks that have proven so disastrous for the DC Comics universe on more than one occasion and led to quite the cataclysms. How can it be addressed this time without such a tumultuous ending is something I'm looking forward to continuing to read and discover. Batman and Superman, number six, is a very strong five out of five. A compelling story, a beautiful art collaboration, and one that I think is continuing to impress me with each issue. We're going to take a quick ad break now. Go ahead and provide you with a little bit of insight to all the things going on at DC Comics News, and maybe even tell you some of the ways that either you can get involved or take advantage of the insights we have to offer. I'm going to come back after a short break. And when that info is done, we'll dive into my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. And faster than the flash, we are back. Thanks for staying tuned after that quick ad break. And of course, if you have any questions about anything you heard, don't hesitate to reach out to the DC Comics News team and listen to the end of this episode for all the ways you can make contact with us. 
You know we love to hear your thoughts, your opinions, your votes, your cheers, and, well, even the things you don't like. We're here to help. We want to make it better. Only you can let us know how. When it comes to my third choice, I was really impressed with Metal Men number four. And in this story, I was intrigued because there's always been a, a simple sort of elegance when it comes to the metal men. Creatures based on the different types of metal that could work together with their individual properties as a team and through the wonder of Doc Magnus and his responsometer could take on human characteristics based on the qualities that their metal might naturally lend to them. Each one a distinct individual, uh, a fully formed identity. But what if that's not all there is? What if there's a bigger truth? What if Doc Magnus only wanted them to have a certain degree of autonomy, individuality. Because if they had too much, maybe they wouldn't need him. Maybe they wouldn't have to rely on him quite so much. It becomes a really interesting thing to consider. Because as you read through this story, as I did, it's an intriguing challenge that's posed. I want to point out the collaboration on this one by Dan Didio and Shane Davis as the storytellers. Didio receiving credit for the dialogue, with Davis providing inks and Jason Wright really, really lovely, almost glowing colors, especially when it comes to some of the metallic members. Travis Lanham providing the letters that recognize the lighthearted quality that has often gone with that simple, at least in my view, perception of the metalman, with Shane Davis, Michelle DeLecky, and Jason Wright providing the original cover, and a variant cover by Jim Starlin. You'll have to tell me what you think about that take. In our story, at least at the end of last issue, it appeared that gold was no more. And yet, as we move into this story, his passing appears to have been greatly overstated. And a challenge is placed by the new nth middle man that gold is someone he was able to help. And because of it, he no longer needs the responsometer, and maybe never did. All of this is something that Magnus is able to table for the time being, because the arrival of a creature that reminds me a tiny bit of Mr. Mind, but also of a classic villain that perhaps you might recognize as well. By breaking out a 
brilliant design that transforms the living quarters into a fighting robot. Magnus believes he can move past the doubts and concerns that have been raised by the Nth Middleman. But when this is not enough, and Nth, which is maybe a bad name for him, is forced to come to their aid and rescue, not only does he supersede Will Magnus in doing a better job of keeping the team safe, but his appearance, which feels so much like the confident contradiction to the doc, takes on more of an authenticity with these actions than Doc Magnus has been able to portray since the arrival of, I guess I'll keep calling him in. Now, when it comes to Doc, he's got other distractions, potentially a love interest and the conflict that creates with one of the metal characters who believe there might be a possibility for romance or at least deeper affection and also just for a little bit of levity two of our characters go to a robocon there's a few popular or fan favorites you might recognize in attendance as well and it's a light-hearted moment that provides that comedic balance that I've always enjoyed from the metalman. While maintaining that tone and yet at the same time crossing into deeper issues and challenges, I believe Metalman number four earned its five out of five score. And it's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed having it here at the third spot on episode number forty two of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Let's go ahead and talk about my fourth choice. And taking the spot is Batman, number 87, with another appearance by James Tynan IV, this time pairing with Guillaume March on art, with Tomu Mori providing the very Gotham-esque colors, Clayton Cowles, who has captured the tone when it comes to letters for Batman. With more than one writer on this title, Tony S. Daniel and Tomu Mori providing the classic cover and Francesco Martina providing the variant cover. Last issue, Batman executed a very thorough and impressive takedown of Slade Wilson and a cast of villains who in their own right are very impressive but now that he's got them locked up he's faced with a question when is a prisoner not a prisoner no i'm not trying to break out my best riddler and he actually makes an appearance in this issue a stark jarring appearance a contrast to the character that we saw in his own spin-off one-shot back over the summer as part of the Year of the Villain storyline, 
who appeared to have left behind his old pursuits as a villain and would potentially be striking out on a new path. But in his new emergence, he looks much worse for the wear. And it's his conversation with Oswald Cobblepot that suggests that this story has more players who have yet to make either an introduction or an appearance on the larger stage. But that doesn't mean that they are staying silent in the background. But back to the prisoners. Batman took them down efficiently, impressively, and yet they don't seem concerned to be where they are. And that raises its own concerns. What follows is a very impressive pursuit by Batman, and we get the chance to see just why it is Oswald Cobblepot is choosing now to make his play. When it comes to a great story, it's difficult to talk too much about the elements involved without giving away the plot. So, recognizing that what I've told you so far is so much about what made this my fourth choice, I'm happy to leave a little bit of mystery when it comes to Batman number 87 and allow you to discover all of the great treasures that come from and connect to these little tidbits that I have been able to share with you on this episode. Batman number 87 has done an amazing job of following up on the debut of Tynan in issue number 86, and also by maintaining this tension that has been pressing against Batman during this entire current series. And it's intriguing to see how, once again, the application of pressure, the change of direction, the manipulation by forces at large has on our characters and what we will see them do in response and reaction. Batman number 87 is a very impressive 5 out of 5 for me. I'm looking forward to hearing your score. Let's take a look now at my fifth and final choice. And for that fifth and final choice, it's my pleasure to bring my take on Wonder Woman number 750. Beyond a monumental or milestone issue, this issue brings back legacy numbering, which will change the numbering from this issue forward, and a celebration of all of the Wonder Woman stories we've had a chance to enjoy over the, well, many decades that she's been with us. There are so many artists and collaborators on this issue, but I've chosen to focus on the main story 
It feels as though an attempt to go through all of the other stories included is a bit of a rabbit's hole when it comes to this edition of the Spinner Rack, and one I would rather leave for the reader to discover. However, the story The Wild Hunt is the finale of the main story that has led up to this issue, and it's complemented by the amazing work by writer Steve Orlando, with pencils by Jesus Marino, inks by Vicente Cifuentes, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters by Pat Brosseau. Brosseau? I'll get these pronunciations down one day. The fight in this issue includes Wonder Woman, Cheetah, Hera, and a character I've had the chance to review on a few occasions. A character known as Honor, codename Silencer. The conflict is one of unbelievable scale. Wonder Woman has been disarmed, her best weapons destroyed at the hands of Cheetah and her god-killer. The god of love has died so much up to this point, which is why we now have Hera included, and why an assassin like Honor feels that her involvement is so important. Coming into this issue with a lack of understanding of the events leading up to it could provide a little bit of disorientation. Thankfully, the writing team brings you up to speed, and in doing so, you have the opportunity to learn everything that's been going on to this point, what the characters are fighting for, and why it's so important that they achieve their objectives. The ending is what I'll leave to your discovery. However, by its conclusion, we do see that Wonder Woman is taking a new direction by choosing weapons that reflect what she is embracing at this time and how it will be part of her process as she moves forward from this most recent challenge to do what she's always done, to be a leader among her people and for the world, and in doing that, to meet the next challenges coming her way. The stories that follow this one are equally powerful, equally important, and I encourage you to pick up an issue, sit down, either by yourself or with someone who you think might enjoy it as well, and take in this amazing Wonder Woman story, this collection of Wonder Woman stories. And afterwards, if you get the chance, I would love to hear what your take, your score, just were. Wonder Woman number 750, an amazing, very poignant collection, is a solid 5 out of 5 from me. 
and one I'm happy to end episode number 42 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack on its pages. Now, of course, just because this episode is over, and that doesn't mean the conversation, the storytelling, or the enjoyment of these issues has to come to an end. There's always more episodes to listen to and more conversations to have. If you have any thoughts, comments, opinions, rebuttals, or interesting points you would like to add, you can always find those of us here at DC Comics News, myself included, on all of your favorite social media platforms. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube, you only need the at symbol and DC Comics News to let us know just what you're thinking and that you want us to hear and maybe join a new conversation or one that's continuing. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. And we'll make sure we let you know what we think about what you say. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more of the Spinner Rack and all of the great content available from DC Comics News and its podcast network, you can find DC Comics News on all of the major podcast platforms. Whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. So please, head over and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. I'm also going to encourage you to tune in on a regular basis for new episodes of the DC Comics News podcast team and our weekly discussions of headlines and events and what they mean as fans, commentators, contributors, and writers. I'd also like you to tune in, if you haven't yet, to our co-conspirator, Steve J. Ray, and his podcast, I Am The Night. If you ever enjoyed the wonder that was Batman the Animated Series, then you will have equal enjoyment with an episode-by-episode breakdown of this classic series by the biggest Bat fan I know, Mr. Steve J. Ray. You can catch this, the DC Comics News Podcast, and all the episodes of The Spinner Rack on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. As always, we have, and I have, one final reminder, and that is to read more comics. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you next time right here on Spinner Rack.